Aalto University Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of Cloud Reachers. Um, and this time I'm, I'm super, well, I'm always excited, but this time especially um, because we have a guest uh, from Mohammed bin Rashid University of Medicine and Health Sciences, uh, Thomas Boya, um, Assistant Professor of Healthcare Innovation and Technology. Welcome. Thank you much and thank you much for having me, Mika. Um, so, Thomas, you've been doing pretty interesting things uh, within the intersection of medical sciences and technology and innovation. Um, so we're going to be talking about that, like your journey and what you have done before or and currently. But could we start a bit like, could you tell a bit about where do you come from and what's your background? What's your story, basically? Yeah, pleasure. So I come from uh, Switzerland, a very small city near Basel, uh, but from the French part of uh, Switzerland. So my mother tongue is, uh, is French, as you can hear. So. Um, I have a background in um, information systems and uh, human-computer interaction. I uh, studied in Lausanne in, uh, in Switzerland. I did my, uh, my graduate, my master, and my PhD at the University of Lausanne in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I did an uh, undergrad uh, at a university in uh, Neuchâtel, which is a smaller city in, uh, in Switzerland. And then uh, once I finished my PhD, I moved to the Gemma part of Switzerland because my wife is from there and uh, we decided to uh, live together. Mm -hmm. And then I did uh, uh, some sort of a postdoc at the University of Applied Science in uh, Lucerne, which is a very well-known uh, city for um, visiting. There are many, many tourists coming to Lucerne. It's a very nice city yeah. just by the lake and you have mountains. And there I stayed there for a little bit more than a year. Okay. Okay, so, and and then then afterwards, like you've done as well, like you've done done some stints or like not not stints, but like you've done research in Stanford and all of like you've been all, all over the place in a way. Yeah, so so that's true. Yeah, so um, what what happened is that during my my PhD, I look at uh, um, how companies and organizations could design mobile applications in order to increase their uh, efficiency. Mm -hmm. And that was at the time when um, organizations realized that uh, more and more of the employees started to use their mobile devices instead of the devices that were provided by uh, the, the company because the mobile mm. devices were more efficient. And companies, they realized, okay, we need to do something because we are losing control of our data and also of our processes and routines. And what happened is that the big software companies, instead of really looking at how they could really leverage the capabilities of mobile devices and designing mm. very specific mobile applications for this type of devices, yeah. what yeah. they did is that they just used the desktop uh, version of the application <laughs> and then they squeezed in uh, uh, for having an interface that was extremely similar to the mobile, uh, to the desktop application. And at the end of the day, there was like a very, very difficult application to use and no one was 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 using this type of application. Mm -hmm. So in my PhD, I look at uh, how could it be possible to use the capabilities of this uh, 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 technology of these mobile devices, 
may not be the, the touch screen and the size of the screen, but also the different sensors that uh, uh, mobile devices has, and and also the capacity in terms of networking and uh, 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 being connected to other devices and other people. So yeah. so how could it be possible to using that? developing designing applications that would eventually increase uh, the efficiency of uh, of routines yeah and um wow. in my phd i look at different use cases and one of them was uh, um, using checklists because checklists are a very very efficient way of uh, um, executing uh, a, a task or not executing is a, it's a very good way of supporting the execution of, of tasks. Yeah. And uh, because of the structure of, of checklist, mobile devices are very, very well uh, designed for that because it's very clear and simple structure, does not require a lot of understanding. And usually mm -hmm. when one, one uses a mobile phone, it's most of the time on the fly or when doing something else. And uh, I realized that um, one field that was very much in advance in using checklists is, is medicine. Mm. So I then started to look at uh, what are the structure of the checklist uses in medicine and how technology could enhance the use of, of, of checklists. And um, I did some research um, on that. And then I started to realize that checklists are used extensively in medicine, most of the time by means of uh, a paper-based checklist. Mm -hmm. And uh, these checklists were not executed properly. Yeah. And yeah. I look at, okay, how could a mobile device help to support checklists? And I, I published two, uh, two papers and, uh, and um, one of them was seen by a researcher who was connected to a surgeon working at Stanford University. Yeah. And yeah. one day I received an email from the surgeon saying, look, uh, I, I read your paper. It's nice what you do. I would like you to implement your checklist model, not in a mobile device, but in a smart glass. Mm. Uh, and that was Google Glass. And yeah. he asked me, do you want to come over to Stanford and work with me? <laughs> and that was I, I had to read the email two times because I was like, <laughs> Okay, really? Um, <laughs> so then I read the email another time and, uh, and then uh, I was ex extremely uh, honored and, and happy and we started to, uh, to be in touch. And then uh, and he invited me for uh, uh, almost a year uh, at Stanford University. I was very lucky to get uh, a scholarship from, mm. uh, uh, from my own country in Switzerland. And then I, I moved there to, to finish my PhD, basically. Yeah. And uh, it was really uh, an eye opener for me to be able to uh, to really be uh, uh, in a hospital working with surgeons and really following mm -hmm. them, going to the operating rooms like almost three three days a week, uh, basically, and having wow. the chance to uh, to witness so many uh, medical routines and so many experience and different ways of um, of working. And uh, to make it short, then uh, I kept in touch with uh, the, the surgeon I, I was working with. And, uh, and then we, we continued working together. I went back to Switzerland mm -hmm. and then uh, he moved here uh, in the same university, MBRU, and uh, invited me uh, to come over to have a look at the university. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, was, I was convinced that uh, uh, I would really like to be here. And, uh, and then uh, I had the chance to uh, to move here permanently. Wow, mm. that's a, that's a pretty interesting story, actually. Like you know, and actually, like once once we go live with this uh, episode, it would be great to have those uh, 
papers link like we can add you know would be nice to have the links yeah, there sure. yeah yeah no worries um, yeah. but what about like what about your current job so like what is it that you do here like how so that's that's one part and then i have a follow up afterwards okay so that's a very good question so i think it wasn't uh, super clear uh, what i would be doing here mm. when uh, when i had the first discussions what was clear is that um, there was a willingness to open um, a lab between technology and medicine Yeah, and this this idea came from uh, um, from my colleague from Stanford University, because at Stanford there is the so-called biodesign, which is a very very well established uh, um, school or um, or lab that is uh, conducting research and uh, teaching how the field of medicine could benefit from uh, other fields such as design, engineering, mm -hmm. and business. And um, they created this this bio design, and a lot of uh, research has been conducted through this through this lab, and also a lot of teaching. Mm. And uh, the outcomes um, have been amazing, with a lot of products that have been designed, patents, and uh, and new classes. And uh, it's true that technology is really shaping um, how care is is being delivered. Yeah, and. Um, Uh, Dubai and and uh, and my university being extremely innovative, they wanted to see how they could uh, somehow replicate this model here. Mm. And uh, one of my missions was to uh, uh, to create this lab together with uh, my uh, my former colleague from Stanford, Dr. Rivas. Yeah. And that was my main mission. And um, the second one was also to teach uh, technologies and innovation to medical students. There was a strong willingness from uh, from the leadership here at the university because they realized that technologies are really changing how medicine is is uh, is um, is executed and care is mm -hmm. delivered. They wanted to be able to equip medical students for year one uh, with this knowledge and this mindset of, of of how they could leverage technologies and innovation in order to be actor of change, yeah. not not only looking at the change uh, as a train at the train station, <laughs> but really being uh, on the train and uh, and not, why not uh, driving the train? Yeah. Super interesting. Like, how does it, how does it feel to be like, like someone with a human computer interaction background amidst all these medical researchers and like these medical institutions? How, how does that feel? So, um, it feels great. It feels It feels very great um, because from from day one, the the dean told me that uh, he really wanted me to be part of the College of Medicine, mm. not to be part of um, I don't know. We, we have a, a team here which is called Smart Services and Information Technology, uh, um, but but the idea was really to have me on board to work as closely as possible with uh, the other faculty, mm. uh, mostly physicians. Yeah, and um, it was really great to feel welcomed by uh, most of the faculty. Yeah, and they really understood that uh, there is a need for having someone with uh, technological skills and uh, and a background similar to mine. Mm. And um, it didn't really take me a lot of time in order to connect with them and find commonalities and uh, and research project on which we could uh, we, on which we could work. So I really felt very well uh, integrated. Among the among the faculty members, uh, I had some uh, some concerns or some worries that uh, uh, they would not necessarily see me as a as a colleague, but more 
as just uh, an IT guy fixing computers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, given that most of the of the faculty here they um, they come from abroad, mm. then they also have a, a different understanding of what medicine is, and it, they are not at all conservative, and uh, mm. they really understood that uh, medicine is 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 not only. Uh, uh, um, being a physician, but it goes beyond that, and uh, now it includes more and more technology. Yeah. Um, let's let's continue with that in a bit. But um, before we kind of venture deeper into like you know what you what you do with regards to like teaching and how do you create these learning spaces, um, what about your like some of your most kind of memorable teaching or learning experiences? Can you share a bit of those? Like, what do you have any kind of yeah. examples? So. Um, I started teaching at the age of uh, of 17 okay. and that was uh, basically to save money to buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was uh, that, that was some time ago and uh, um, uh, I was contacted by uh, a person who was responsible for a local, they call that uh, um, popular university. The, the goal is, is my is my own country. They yeah. wanted to to give uh, a very cheap and accessible training to everyone. Yeah. And I was contacted by um, one of the administrators of this university, uh, who, who who is basically just a, a friend of my mom, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. and and basically they um, they have been in touch for for many years, and uh, and they and they talked to each other, and she knew that I was I was studying computer science, and uh, the, the 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 teacher of computer science uh, was leaving, and she was looking for someone to uh, take over this position from from him, mm. and then she contacted me, and uh, she asked me whether I would like to to take over, and I said yes, yeah, sure, I will I will do that. Wow. With, <laughs> with in mind uh, a car. Basically, that was <laughs> that was my only target. That was that was uh, that was to save money for a car. Yeah. And um, uh, um, I had to create a course curriculum because the guy who did that before was relatively old, and uh, he did not really have um, any uh, teaching material. He was just uh, showing up in front of the class and saying, yeah. okay, now today we are going to look at uh, uh, Microsoft Excel and, uh, and this is how it works, just play with it. And I thought, <laughs> okay, we need to have a more structured approach because uh, these people had like no uh, knowledge in computer uh, whatsoever. That yeah. Was, yeah. For most of them, that was the first time that they would start a computer. So they needed mm. to have quite some, quite some structure. And these people uh, were at the time between 30 and 60 years old. So they were, mm. they were way older than me. Yeah. Wow. And um, so I, I did that for, for, for two years, uh, um, enough to collect a bit of money. And, and then I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy doing that. And, um, and the participants, they also enjoy the course. Mm. And uh, um, I realized, okay, that's good. It, it really gave me uh, a lot of uh, confidence somehow and, uh, and pleasure um, of, um, of doing it. And then after, after maybe six months, I wasn't necessarily doing it for buying a car anymore, but I did it because <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. And... Um, one of my uh, enlightenment was was when uh, um, I would see these relatively old people because mm. I was seventeen, so a fifty year <laughs> fifteen years old person was relatively old for me. Yeah, yeah. Then when they started, when I could see the the happiness, you know, in their eyes when they were able to write a letter and to print it. Yeah. And that brought me really a lot of joy. Mm. So that was that was v- very nice, and. Um, so then I wasn't in touch with uh, teaching anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished uh, uh, the first part of my of my studies and uh, and I, I moved to to industry. 
And uh, then after a few years, I, I wanted to come back to, um, to studying and, uh, and to finance my, my study, I gave uh, a classes to refugee in, the, in, my, in my country. Mm. Uh, that, was, that was the time when uh, a lot of refugees from, uh, um, from the East uh, were coming and also from, uh, from Syria were, mm. were coming to Switzerland. And, uh, uh, and um, uh, before knowing the, the status and, uh, and uh, knowing if they could stay in the country or not, uh, the, the country provided them with some classes just to occupy them. Yeah. And um, I gave classes to them and, uh, and uh, that was kind of the same thing. So that they had some prior knowledge, but uh, some of them did not necessarily know how to send an email or how to use the internet yeah, and yeah. to see the, the happiness where they were able to send messages to their, to their family and to their friends. That was really yeah. amazing for me because I really felt that, okay, I, I was able to bring something very valuable to, to them. Mm. And that, that was somehow, uh, I don't have like a very, very um, a specific uh, moment uh, in, my, uh, in my career as, as, a, as a teacher. But it is all these these bits and pieces. Every every time that there is this aha moment, you know, when mm -hmm. when, when you are able to enable uh, the the students to to do something that is of value to do to to them, this is this is what makes me the the, the happiest. Wow, that's really amazing. Like now, I think it would be nice to to hear kind of more about like your initiatives at MBRU. Like how do you how do you convey this kind of same feeling and like you know how do you bring in technology and innovations to the medical science field. Do you have any kind of, you know, kind of concrete examples that you can talk about or? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, so the initiative was uh, um, already, uh, was already in place when I, when I came here. So, uh, so here at MBRU, uh, we, we have a course uh, on innovation and, uh, uh, and technologies for health sciences. And, um, this was uh, uh, put in place by uh, mostly three people. I have a lot of admiration for these people. The first one is uh, the vice chancellor of the university, who is, who is very much um, a forward-thinking person. Mm -hmm. And um, the dean and the provost uh, of the university, um, and my, uh, my uh, former colleague from, uh, from Stanford, Dr. Rivas. And they realized that uh, technology uh, is increasingly uh, um, changing medicine. Yeah. And they realized that, okay, we need to equip the medical students from day one with uh, skills, knowledge, and background yeah. uh, that they can understand not only what these technologies do, but also how they can use them and how they can benefit from them and when they have to use them and when they maybe shouldn't use them. Yeah. yeah. So there was in place um, a course uh, in the bachelor program and um, the course uh, changed uh, almost every year because it started to be taught by, uh, by my colleague Omero Rivas uh, at the beginning while he was still at Stanford University mm. and after someone else took over and, uh, and after someone else took over. So what I wanted to do is um, I wanted to put some uh, structure in this, in this course. Yeah. So it's maybe because I'm Swiss, I, 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 I like, <laughs> I like st structuring things. <laughs> um, so... And the goal was to completely uh, redesign the curriculum of this course and to look at the technologies that are, that are really disrupting healthcare yeah. and then looking at them uh, very deeply because mm -hmm. I really wanted students to understand um, 
what is behind artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence is one of the technologies that is uh, um, the most used uh, or the most researched now in, uh, in the field of, of medicine. Yeah. And um, a lot of articles and a lot of uh, products are now uh, equipped with artificial intelligence. And uh, artificial, artificial intelligence, in my view, is not, is not necessarily well understood by, uh, by physicians. Uh, and they, they believe that they understand it. But um, when I discuss with them, I realize that they don't really understand it. And the problem is that uh, they are talking to a lot of people mm. and uh, a lot of people are listening to them because yeah, they are yeah. physicians. Yeah. But then what comes out of the discussion is not very, very clear. Yeah. So I really wanted the students to understand uh, what is behind artificial intelligence and I wanted them to understand how it works and uh, exactly how, for instance, uh, um, an application that is used to detect skin cancer mm. uh, via a mobile phone, how it works. Because yeah. it's not a black box. It's not just uh, we take a picture and uh, it goes to the cloud and then it gives you a diagnosis. It's, it's not like this. But I, want, I wanted them to really understand that there, there are some statistics behind and how it works, mm. what is the algorithm. And uh, I wanted to do the same for different technologies, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, mobile devices, wearables. And uh, so I, I structured the course around these main technologies. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the first part of the class. And then uh, students were already looking at uh, design thinking as means to, uh, to innovate. And um, I continue on that line and uh, I developed uh, a second part of the course focusing on, uh, on, on design thinking, but this time also working with hospitals uh, to have like real cases and to have mm. uh, people uh, in hospitals that would come here and uh, that would uh, present the challenges and then discuss with students and then help students somehow uh, 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 design prototypes and, and test, uh, test prototypes. Yeah. I mean, this is like, have you actually, Thomas, I wrote down like when you were talking that it's really interesting. Like, so you are kind of talking about technology within the domain of uh, medical sciences in a way that helps medical professionals understand, right? Um, have you actually considered like, oh, I don't know if you have it already. I guess you should, ha uh, you would have told me, but imagine like having a YouTube channel, like, you know, Thomas talks about technology. Have you thought about that? To be honest, I haven't. No, yeah. I, I really haven't. Um, so there is a lot of lot of videos that you will find there. And um, I don't know if I maybe I'm too shy or <laughs> I, I, I just I just cannot I just cannot tell you why. I I very often believe that um, that what I do maybe does not bring enough value to uh, enough people that people would not necessarily be uh, uh, um, super excited to to listen or to uh, uh, um, to to um, to watch my videos. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's true. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no. But uh, but something that is that is sure is that um, I really believe that uh, um, medical students should not necessarily listen to everything that they find on on YouTube or on the yeah. other social yeah. media channels. Because um, sadly, when uh, most of the physicians, they talk about technology, yeah. they are not very, very right. It's mostly because this is not the background. I mean, mm -hmm. they study medicine and they believe that they really understand the mechanism and the affordances of technologies, yeah. but they simply do not really. 
because this they, it's a lot when they talk about about that it's a lot about perceptions so mm, this is yeah, the way they perceive the technology this is the way they believe that the technology works this is the way they believe that the technology could be used yeah but the the real background in technology is really missing yeah and yeah. um and uh, there are there are few uh, a few good people presenting technologies uh, uh, through YouTube or, or different uh, uh, social media channels, but if you want to do something nice, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, and I'm um, I'm quite busy here, and uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know yeah, when yeah. basically I would do that. What I would rather try to do, and we are working on that, is to is to create some uh, uh, some teaching material. Uh, but rather to be used internally. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. may that be for 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 the for the faculty or, or for the students. Yeah. And then why not then put them online once they are somehow yeah, exactly. uh, uh, um, approved. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, sorry, that was kind of deviating. Yeah, no, that's a, but that's a very good question. <laughs> but like, so like speaking of like teaching methods, like how do you like? Can you share a bit about like what kind of methods do you use to kind of help students understand? The applications of technology in medical sciences, yeah. So um, I try to. Um, I basically use my, my classroom as a um, experimental lab. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying new things uh, almost every week. Yeah. Uh, so I try to be as uh, interactive as possible and as close to uh, uh, the field of medicine as possible. So. Usually my classes, they start with a little bit of theory just to uh, describe the technology and to mm. make them understand what the technology does, where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it is not always uh, linked to uh, to medicine uh, at the beginning, but it is just to give a brief history somehow mm. that they understand mm. somehow uh, what the technology is. And then after, I really try to switch to medicine as, as soon as possible to, to make the class uh, as interesting as, as possible. And what I try to do is um, um, I try to uh, to implement some sort of role play or, or this type of, of teaching. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, when we look at uh, artificial intelligence, I came up with a case of um, there was a fake case uh, uh, um, of a hospital who was uh, relying on a, on, a, on a software to to detect uh, uh, breast cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, so. The case is is fake, but uh, uh, but the technologies, the software, and everything is already existing. And what I was saying is that um, there is this uh, um, this this uh, 55 uh, uh, mother of, of two kids who goes to the hospital because uh, because she has uh, breast pain and. Um, uh, she, uh, she she has uh, an examination and uh, then uh, she uh, she has a X-ray done by the radiologist. And uh, even though she has some pain, the the radiologist doesn't see anything. Mm. And the radiologist basically did not analyze uh, the uh, the X-ray uh, himself. He basically used uh, a software that relies on artificial intelligence to detect whether there is an abnormality or not. Yeah. And the uh, the software did not see anything. Yeah. But the problem is uh, very quickly the, the the woman is 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 not feeling uh, is is not feeling great and uh, and after uh, after three months she she dies. Mm. And um, when they when they analyze they quickly realize that she died from uh, from a breast cancer. Mm. And the breast cancer wasn't detected by the software. 
So that was the case, so the, just the, the, the scope of the case. And then um, I divided the class uh, into, uh, into two groups. And uh, one group was uh, 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 defending the hospital because mm. the family is suing the hospital because of that. And this group had to defend the hospital and trying to find reasons for which artificial intelligence is useful in the field of radiology. Yeah. And explain yeah. why it makes sense to use it and why it is extremely it was extremely unfortunate that 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 the, the, the software was unable to detect the breast cancer. Uh, but uh, it is still a very good technology to use. On the other hand, the other uh, rest of the class was uh, defending the family and trying to find evidence that artificial intelligence is not uh, uh, good for uh, detecting breast cancer or cannot mm, necessarily mm. be efficiently used in, in hospital. Yeah. And then they had time to do research. And then I brought uh, uh, a jury made up of, um, of faculty uh, from here. And uh, the, the two groups, they had to try to convince somehow the, the jury that the hospital or the, the family uh, was right. Yeah. And uh, that was a very, very nice uh, role play because the, the, the student, they really, that was very interesting because they were emotionally engaged. Mm. And, uh, and when uh, the, the jury decided that the, that the family lost, students that were very unhappy, you know, they, they, really, <laughs> they really took it like personally. And I think that was really great because, uh, um, of course, I gave them some guidelines and, uh, and some, uh, some, some libraries where they could go and look for uh, scientific literature. Yeah. But they, they, really, uh, they really had the chance to, uh, to look at artificial intelligence from a, from a healthcare perspective somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's, that's one example. Uh, another example would be... Um, I, I presented a, um, a piece of research of mine, um, and uh, so the, the, I presented some of the, the, the research uh, on checklist, and uh, and I I showed them some of the the problem with the lack of usability of this uh, of this checklist, and then I, I asked them to to tell me okay, how could you use uh, um, smart uh, glasses in order to mm -hmm. uh, to improve the the, the the situation, and then they had some of to to, to, to understand the technology and to and to to, to come up with like a, a very uh, very simple uh, prototype uh, I mean when I say prototype that was it's more of an ID because they only had two hours yeah. that was more more of an ID and at the end of that I they presented that in front of the class and then I showed them uh, what we what we did so I really tried to make it as interactive as possible and also as interesting as possible for them uh, in the context of uh, of medicine mm. Wow, these are both like super interesting examples and like kind of quite like deviating from what we have been used to, like, you know, traditional lectures and all that. Um, what inspired you to kind of choose exactly these approaches? That's a very good question. I, I don't really know. I, yeah. I, I, I don't really know. <laughs> the thing is, uh, so here it's, um, I have the feeling that, uh, that students, they, 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 they always need to be, to be entertained. Yeah, Unlike yeah. In, uh, in Europe, for instance, where students, they know that, okay, I have to attend this lecture. Okay, that might be boring, but I have to do it. Yeah. So yeah. here I have the feeling that the expectations, they are higher. Yeah. That they come here. If they come here, they want to have something back, mm. which is uh, a different mindset somehow. 
And I realized from, from day one after my first lecture, because what I do is, is uh, I try to have uh, uh, in incremental feedback. Mm -hmm. So um, at the end of each class, um, I use a software which is anonymous to ask students what they liked in the class and what uh, they wish I would have done differently. Yeah. And I use that uh, after each class uh, with the idea of somehow giving a better uh, experience to, uh, yeah. to, to them. And after the first class, they really, they really killed me. And they really said, uh, yeah, we don't like lecture. After five minutes, we didn't listen to your lecture anyway. So, so they were very harsh with me. And uh, um, the thing is, uh, yeah, they, 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 are, they are very used to be, to be entertained here. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit like the, the Dubai lifestyle where you have so many things that you can do. You have so many vouchers that you can yeah, use. Yeah. <laughs> you have so many discounts. You have so many things that, that entertain somehow uh, the, the people here living in Dubai. And they expect to have a similar experience at the university. So even though I didn't mm. want to transform my, uh, my class into, uh, uh, into an online game, yeah. Uh, the goal was to see how I can involve them more. Yeah. And, uh, and when I was uh, um, preparing my class, for instance, on artificial intelligence, when reading papers, you, you see that, that, uh, uh, that you really have people that are in favor of, of AI and, and others that are really not in favor of AI. Yeah, yeah. So the, 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 uh, I realized that, that there is this, this, uh, these two different worlds. And I thought, okay, why not trying to to create a role play and, and trying to make half of the class uh, working on, on uh, explaining the benefits of, of AI versus the other one on the limitations. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then I was, uh, um, some years ago, I was, I was, I was watching this, uh, this, uh, this TV show called Suits. I don't mm -hmm. know if you heard of, heard of it. This is a very well-known uh, TV show that uh, follows a, a law firm in, uh, in the U.S., in New York. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of like this, uh, uh, um, this, uh, um, this, uh, this suits, this, uh, these lawsuits where, where you, you, have, you have people really trying to defend their, their, their meat somehow. They really, mm -hmm. they really want to, to explain that what they did is good, regardless if it was good or wrong. Yeah. And then you need to put a lot of effort in order to convince people yeah, that, yeah. that it's good, even though you know it's bad. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to see how far the students could go with that. Yeah. So how far, even though, because they couldn't choose uh, whether they would be in, the, in favor of or, or not in favor oh, yeah. of, they couldn't choose. Yeah, yeah. So some of them, they were like extremely unhappy <laughs> not to be in favor because they really said, yeah, artificial intelligence is amazing, but yeah. now you have to destroy it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I just wanted to see how far they could go and uh, and then I was surprised that uh, that they really played well s somehow. Mm -hmm. So it's more somehow my environment uh, that inspires me and uh, the the people uh, with my work and uh, and what I see. I try to make some links uh, um, with as many things as um, as possible. Uh, I'm not staying in my in my field of HCI and uh, and medicine. I'm trying to see what is being done um, in I don't know in art or. Uh, in in um, in anything in engineering or anything, yeah. I'm trying to yeah. see how how I can just uh, take um, bits and pieces from from everywhere and trying if it makes sense to to put them together. <laughs> and it's actually like Thomas, like I don't know if I'm if I'm completely off here, but it it really sounds that you are not really teaching about technology, but teaching technology through stories. Like you are creating, it's kind of storytelling. 
like how do you create these uh, interactive stories actually, where the students come and you know form a part, essential part of the experience, right? Yeah, it's it's very true. It's very true because the thing is. Uh, I always keep in mind that here this is a, a school of medicine. This yeah. is not a school of engineering. Yeah. So even though I really want them to understand the characteristics of this uh, of these technologies, uh, uh, um, first and foremost, I want them to understand that they play a huge role in their field. Yeah. It's not that uh, it's better if you if you know what AI is. Is that if you don't know what AI is, mm. then you will be put away from you from your job, because yeah, yeah. I mean there is this saying that uh, AI won't replace physicians, but it will replace physicians who do not understand AI. Mm. It's because if you are unable to leverage these technologies, then you you will be behind. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think that AI will replace physicians. I don't think that I don't know uh, uh, augmented reality will uh, will replace surgeons. Or, or robotic surgery will replace surgeons. I, I just believe that if you don't understand that these technologies are here to help you, mm. then you will be behind because others will understand it. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, so how, like how people become active and like actively start exploring these new technologies instead of seeing like, oh my God, you know, it's gonna, you know, we're gonna be replaced. And I think there's like the same kind of discourse. Like some academics are also saying like, you know, yeah, robots are gonna replace us anyway. So what's the point? And I think like what you said is like, that's how we should be approaching it, right? Yeah, because because the thing is, uh, sometimes you can decide whether or not you want to work with a technology, mm. but sometimes you just can't. Yeah. I mean, already today AI is implemented in, a, in, a, in electronic medical records in hospitals. Yeah. yeah. The only difference is that they have just no idea how it works. And they have just no idea what this AI does yeah. for them. And this is where the problem is also uh, um, very uh, uh, difficult to, it's not really the problem, this is the, uh, this is where for them it's very difficult to understand what AI is. Because for mm. them AI is, is, uh, AI is a technology, which is clearly not, is, is a technology that will do things for you. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that they don't really realize is that AI is just not new. AI is 60 years old and has been used in many software for like decades. Yeah, yeah. And then they forget that already today, AI is used in medicine for performing quite some tasks. They just don't understand that it's being done like this. So now what is being done is that we talk about AI because just um, AI is a buzzword, but uh, behind AI, you just have very old statistical models. Yeah. It is just that it has been like, uh, it's almost a marketing term, like uh, cloud mm -hmm. computing, like based yeah, on yeah. technology <laughs> that are very old. Yeah. It is just that software companies, they haven't been doing new things for a while. So now they, they, they can use this AI terminology to explain that we are doing AI based, uh, I don't know, decision making. Yeah. yeah, but you've been doing that already the last <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. But it is just that because it was, uh, it, it was uh, undercover the last, the last uh, I don't know, 50 years, yeah. now it appears to people who do not necessarily study technologies or understand technology that is something new. Hmm. But it's not. It's just because it was undercovered. And now we know that, okay, AI is coming. But no, AI has been here for like so many years. So this is where I, I come back to what I said before about 
the knowledge of physicians and, and people talking about these technologies is that they just believe that it's new and that it's, it's like the next, the next thing that's going to change uh, medicine and the world. But it, it has been here for like 50 years. So this yeah. is this is why it, it's difficult when 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 now uh, uh, the physicians they are really saying okay AI is the new technology that is changing healthcare. So first of all, it's not a technology, and uh, and second of all, it has been used in healthcare for the last 20 years. So and this is why people they have a lot of difficulties to understand what AI really is, and it's the same for a lot of technologies. Mm. Like smart glasses that were used uh, in operating rooms in the 60s already. Wow. So it has been used for a while. It is just that, of course, now we've learned a lot uh, about technologies and technologies that are becoming more mature, obviously, with the, uh, um, with the time. But it's, it's, it's not really new. It's, it's now we are just talking about them because of some uh, software vendors and also because of, uh, of new uh, research avenues and, uh, and the new capacities of computers and uh, the availability of data. So of course, now you can do many more things, new things with AI uh, because of, of the, um, the progress in technology and, and data availability. You couldn't do that before, mm, but mm. the main concept is, is not new. And this would be like super interesting to kind of, you know, follow up and kind of explore a bit further, but I, I think like our time is slowly running out. So um, I think it's time for the traditional question that we ask from all of our uh, all of our guests. So who or what is a cloud reacher in your field? In a way like kind of bringing the field forward. So, you know, it's a very, very difficult question yeah. um, because the thing is, I don't have like one specific person in mind. Yeah. Uh, but but there are there are few people that are putting a lot of effort in uh, trying to to bridge uh, the different uh, uh, gap between may not be technologies and and medicine or just uh, bringing forward a lot of knowledge or making a lot of knowledge accessible to a broader audience. Mm. And uh, um, there is this uh, this physician. His, his name is uh, is Bertalan Mesco, and uh, so he's a physician, an MD, and uh, he did a, he did a PhD as well. But he's now really focusing on the, on, on how technologies uh, can enhance uh, medicine. Yeah, and um, he does a lot of uh, YouTube videos, and he publishes a lot of content that is very, very well done, mm -hmm. very well designed from a, like a, a beauty perspective. Somehow yeah, when, you, yeah. when you look at his, uh, his, his uh, e-magazines, for instance, you, it really makes you read them because it's, the, it's very well designed. And also it tries to, um, to make the content as accessible as possible. Mm. And uh, because social media can be used by almost everyone. Yeah, yeah. He has this uh, responsibility and uh, um, and uh, and ability to spread uh, knowledge very easily and uh, to to a broader audience. Yeah. So a person like this has maybe two million followers on YouTube, and uh, when he talks about I don't know the the new uh, um, variable to measure uh, I don't know blood pressure, for instance. Mm then he will explain it very well and uh, make it very clear what you can and what you can do with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, even though, of course, he also gives conferences to make money, 
I really, yeah. I really admire these uh, these people who still try to um, to spread the knowledge. Yeah, and to make as many uh, people as possible understand uh, uh, um, what these technologies can and can't do. Mm. So he's he's a, he's a good example for me. But then I also have you know other examples of 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 people because for me I'm 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 fascinated by people who take the time like you you know on on their own to to interview people and to to make knowledge uh, at the disposal of uh, of other people without yeah. financial interest behind. Yeah. So they take on the time because they are passionate about it and they they just want to to spread knowledge. And I'm, I'm I have a lot of respect for. Uh, for these people yeah and and not forgetting i mean you are also active on twitter so now a bit like you know self-promotion is in place <laughs> like what is what is your twitter account or handle how do you call it yeah so my my, my, my twitter is uh, maybe i will spell it it's it's easier so it's t b o i l l a t it's t boya this is basically t my the, the letter of my of my first name and yeah. boya is my uh, my family name Thomas, thank you so much for taking your time. This has been insightful and uh, look forward to uh, seeing what happens next in your endeavors. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Mika. Thank you.